0: Hello dear Lurkers, we are back with another episode of the Third Age Babylon 5 podcast. For those who do not know us, we are three Europeans um, who were too young to watch uh, the series when it er- aired first. And yeah, we're now here and watching it for the first, the second and the upteenth time. We are Alex, Layla, and my name is Micah. and. For today's introduction question, we thought we'd go a bit more back to our roots uh, of our podcast introduction, as we always say, we're Europeans. And now we're trying to tell you what this means for us. Alex, maybe you want to start?
1: Oh, I'm going to get to start. That's, that's great, especially because there's a small, cute cat running around now that wants to get a word in as well, Uh, but no worries, uh, we, we can manage this we wanted to have one or two main concepts for the podcast right and for me one of the important bits that i wanted to bring in was offering a special kind of perspective because obviously Babylon 5 is a show that was made in the us for the us and so a lot of the discussion perspectives we get on it are through that lens and especially because it's a show that deals with sometimes political topics with sometimes important cultural topics This is something uh, that I thought, you know, a European perspective might be a little bit different, might be something unexpected and um, especially because there are also some expectations, I guess, in the main audience of the show about how it is seen on an international stage. I thought it would be interesting to, you know, identify as part of this international stage and talk a little bit about it from that lens.
0: Leila, maybe you want to add to the next one? Uh, Yes,
2: um, I think I would start a lot more personal because, um, I mean, I cannot deny that I definitely was born and raised in, in Germany and German and English are the only languages I am fluent in, but I have a family from my father's side that once came from Poland to Germany and my grandparents were still very much raised in this. Um, connection between Germany and Poland like they spoke languages that are extinct today and they still new songs and prayers in mixings of northern German and Polish uh, slangs and everything and so um, they shaped my view on a lot of things and I noticed that more and more now that I am um, now that I'm older for example when I'm somewhere in Eastern Europe and in Poland that did not surprise me because I always knew of that connection but when I went further to Hungary and so on I still have these small things, these small cultural things that connect me. Although in Hungary, it was a big surprise because I'd never been to that place before and I didn't know anyone before. But it's like small things like food, like how the the furniture looks like, like Easter traditions that make me feel connected. And um, yeah, so for me, um, I really noticed that my identity is not just a German one because I am so emotionally connected to things from the East. So I'm always kind of pulled towards Eastern Europe, although, of course, I also have a big part of me that is shaped by being born and raised here. But yeah, it's more complex than that. And I would also like to add that I really like these big clusters of cultures that try to get along in Europe. And I'm not saying that Europe is like this utopia where everything works out, but I love this concept of all of these different little cultures that had so many big conflicts with each other that try to get along. I think that means a lot to me, especially with my view to my part of my roots coming from, from the East. Yes, that's how I would put it.
0: Yeah, well, and then lastly, I will put my bit in. uh, Well, I have to say, I don't really have a connection with all this patriotic national stuff because I um, have the concept in my my mind that it's lucky and that that it's luck that decides where you are born. Um, It has nothing to do with you as a person um a a biological side with your parents okay but that's it um and therefore i just consider myself grateful to be born in in germany because i could have ended up at worse places where women are restricted where they are considered to be more of an object even though could be better here in germany It's, it's okay, but there's still room for improvement, like always. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not a concept that's working for me. So considering it in a bigger space, a bigger place like Europe, uh, is a bit more fitting. Uh, and it, it's more like a little. Direction for those who might want to put where my thoughts come from, what kind of cultural background I was born with um, even though it's not as yeah deeply connected um, as others might consider it where they were born
1: and I, I think for all of this this shines also through this idea that when, when we speak of Europe that's not necessarily talking about the project of the European Union or something like this but just more broadly speaking the sort of cultural sphere and you know just the, the kind of background that we bring with this Uh, i think in the first episodes we also put a big emphasis on on the backgrounds that we bring to the table just so that people can kind of follow where these perspectives are coming from because obviously even among us three these are three pretty different viewpoints that we take also nobody is going to have paid attention to any of this because there is this little cat that decided this is the moment to really shine and now she's sitting here and she's getting a little bit grumpy
2: yeah, she bit me, but I, I listened carefully. Still,
1: <laughs> at all, this was this was a very nice way of putting it. I think this will illuminate um, our our introduction a little bit more.
0: Yeah, well, this different kind of introduction round uh, is actually rooted in our today's episode we're talking about. Its title, eyes. Um, well, anyone uh, in for doing the. Summary part because I think I it, because I'm not really sure how to do it this it, time.
1: In that case, I can jump in, but we will we will keep your 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 transition there in there because it was very good. And these questions of patriotism and loyalty also come up in the episode we are talking about today. It's eyes where two officers from the Earth Alliance come to investigate and sort of scrutinize. A lot of adventures that our crew has had throughout season one i would almost expect it to be a clip show but we don't really get to see many flashbacks to everything that's happened there's just a lot of callbacks that i think we are going to talk about all the while Lanier is going on a very different adventure as he embarks on the mysteries of the fuel injection system and everything else that comes into building a motorcycle, uh, which he sees as a wonderful lesson in Earth history, which it honestly probably is. It's a great act of cultural exchange that we are seeing here. Okay. After first impressions, as always, it's Mike's duty to bring us into our first impressions. So, what do you think about this episode, revisiting so much of season one? Uh,
0: It, it was nice to get... I mean, we, we have... Uh a few name drops there we have the the yeah accidents that happened earlier um, mentioned but I really like that that we don't have like the the audience isn't treated like an idiot oh we have to explain everything that happened in the last episodes from episode 1 uh, on uh, there are no flashbacks there's no bigger explanation I mean with with uh with Charles Marion, uh, at the beginning, it's just yeah, you know, we would like to have a bit more security, considering what happened on her last visit, and that's it. There's no big explanation of what happened, and I really like this because, on one hand, those who watched it will know, or at least roughly remember. Oh yeah, there there was this person, and obviously something went wrong, and it's not necessary to explain what happened, but just uh, for, for those who, I would always say, not <laughs> almost say dutifully watched every episode. Um, it's a bit of, yeah, it's a bit of an Easter egg. It's a bit of a, of, of, yeah, well done. You rem- remembered this part and yeah, it's, it's like finding an Easter egg in a game. Um, I would kind of put it, um that that was the the biggest part that really um really rang the bell for me on the other hand it was a bit this this bad guy dude uh Franks was his name I think oh his uh, yeah his his appearance his style it was uh oh yeah just another Nazi bad guy
1: he didn't fool you (laughs) as like just a jovial businessman in the beginning
0: it, it, no, it's it's just uh, I mean I I wasn't uh, I was a bit surprised that when they uh, said, yeah, we are, we're Earth Force and we are here for investigation. Um, I, I was even a bit skeptical after they said that like, okay, are they are they pulling something bigger there and, and try to masquerade as these Earth Force guys? but obviously not. But yeah, this—it's oh, it, like I don't know. Oh, there's a bad guy. Yeah, make him German or Russian. That's that's the thing. It's, it's boring. Sorry. Can you come up with something different? Also, because most of them, especially when they are somehow associated with
2: SkyCar, they tend to have a British accent, and I always try to trace back of which British accent is real and when it, when is it fake because it's not so easy to to tell if you're not a native speaker but sometimes you have a clue sometimes the melody is just so obnoxious that you're like yeah that was not real
0: <laughs> yeah well if 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 we branch this this whole language style i mean sorry but if i see especially english series and there are different languages put in it the most the almost every time there are really rare cases where i sit there and think this sounded authentic this sounded like someone really tried to imitate the language how a native would speak yes but also in babylon we have there were a few
2: cases maybe we have already come across them i don't remember but there were a few cases where I looked it up at some point I was surprised because he actually was British he just sounded super weird but that's for another time I guess
1: Sometimes the direction <laughs> on that is also bad it's like no you're, you're not supposed to sound like a British person you should be an <laughs> evil British person you know, that makes your accent stronger
0: Yeah well okay um I, I I think these these are like like the biggest parts I I stumbled um about other on the on the other hand i i really liked yeah a few little things again and yeah if you don't have anything to add um i I would say we we go there
1: i i can largely echo this sentiment it's for me this episode where a lot of things start clicking we have All of these individual elements, and I think Garibaldi at one point even, you know, raffles down why it feels like the entire world is on fire because things are bad. The uh, president has been under struggling, uh, has been struggling for a long time. And it's not that this is particularly the new information, it's just nice to see that not only we as an audience are starting to paint a picture of what this world looks like, but also characters in the world are putting pieces together and noticing oh yeah, I have to put together an extra security detail because pro-Earth sentiments have been on the rise and that has been also uh, reflected in some of the political stuff that we saw. And now the Earth Force is reacting to this very violently by doing loyalty checks and stuff like that. And it's just nice to see that none of the stories so far have been happening in a vacuum. Everything is sort of connected, even though there's not really a strong plot necessarily that is threading all of these together there is this sense that the world as a whole is moving in a certain direction that we can follow and i completely agree on the bad guy of this week he is very much over the top he reminds me a little bit not so long ago we were at the um not so long ago we were at the stasi museum in berlin and uh, which i would think is kind of the internal investigations equivalent of of eastern germany at its time just a more you know focused on the entirety of civil society and a lot of times there were you know examples for the disguises disguises that people used where you can very clearly tell they look like caricatures because of course they are also meant to be somewhat intimidating i like, it's sometimes good if people notice that they are being followed and stuff like that. And this is very much what Col Colonel Benzane felt like to me. He's not really trying to disguise himself. He's more trying to, you know, let people know that he's on their trail. And he's a very over the top character when it comes to that.
2: Yeah, I mean my first impressions
1: are Yeah, sure.
2: Um over the top, yeah, not just him, but also his associate. We can talk about the scene with Ivanova where where he's standing in the back and, yeah, we can talk about that at some point. But, yeah, I have to admit that I never really noticed that um, this was such a clip show flashback episode. That was never so much in my mind, actually. Um, And um, Yeah, I mean, in the broader picture, of course, it's interesting that they come from Earth and what that means, but um, I was not in the main plot. I was not super invested. I have a few moments, especially with Ivanova, that I really enjoyed. Um, And yeah, I just love Lanier and the motorcycle. It's just, it's it's wonderful. But once again, these two plots, I remembered both and I had not in mind that both were in one episode, actually. And also I always, but that I had in mind, I always feel like Lanier and the motorcycle should be far, far much later in the show, but it's so early and it already works out so well. Yeah.
1: I It just also speaks to this idea that we already feel at least I feel fairly invested into the characters at this point, that it feels like I can get behind Lanier and Garibaldi having this bonding moment because for both of them, I kind of have this idea of what kinds of characters these are and Garibaldi is kind of the hard-boiled detective cop type and then Lanier coming from his temple. Those are two character archetypes that you don't usually see interacting in any kind of way so that they find this common ground in building a motorcycle. It's just great. And it also always reminds me of like the 90s sitcoms, uh, you know, where there's always the suburban family that has like an old car in the garage where the dad is working on for like 15 years. And I love the idea that in another lifetime, this is what Garibaldi would have done.
0: I really have to say that the whole thing with Lanier got the the whole motorcycle thing for me out of the gutter. Because the moment I, I saw the the scene began and Garibaldi with his motorcycle, first I was like, he is building a motorcycle or repairing a motorcycle in his quarters. <laughs> is he allowed to do that? Um Yeah, the, the but the second thing that was there in my mind was oh what a cliche. Because I, I don't know that uh, first the, the combination guy and motorcycle, it's like, yeah, a real guy has a motorcycle. I, I don't know what, what, what this is supposed to mean. Um, yeah, maybe I just don't get it. I don't know. I mean, I've been on a motorcycle. It's nice to drive, but it's nothing uh, where I can say, oh my gosh, the, the best ever. Um, I can understand maybe the, the historical connection there. I'm not sure though it's fitting with Garibaldi. Um, I, I I don't, I don't know this, uh, all the things, um, Veneer, um, gets explained on, on this uh, video he's watching, um, Garibaldi wouldn't be the first person I would think of with this description. Yes, I think
2: you're more connected probably with gangs and not with the policeman chasing the gangs. (laughs) Maybe, or I would also, um, I mean, yeah. But I mean, maybe this could be the point to discuss how he is characterized here because we have have his motorcycle, we have his drinking problem, we have his love for cartoons and we have him as a really good security officer or policeman. Like that Mm -hmm. is one kind of image I always feel like here we have a character that in this form should also have existed in the middle of the 20th century and we see him in use and in use in in the future and he's still in this form of society perfectly works out and is in use.
1: I mean, he's definitely kind of the everyman stand-in of the show, right? Out of all the people, he's part of the crew, but he's not in the same kind of military structure as commanders uh, Ivanovara and Sinclair. but at the same time, I think it's, it's worth mentioning that he doesn't, he doesn't strike you as the guy who would want to ride a motorcycle. And we also learn in this episode, that's not really the part that he's interested in, right? He specifically says he ever really plans to finish it in that thing. I think what he likes more rather than the motorcycle is a mystery box, I think. And this is the part where for me it clicks. He's a detective. And what does a detective want in his free time? a case that is easy to that is not easy to solve but that has very low stakes i think for him probably the biggest plus was this idea i have instructions so i know it's going to make sense i know it is possible to solve this and build a motorcycle but it's in japanese which i don't speak so i will spend years trying to figure out how to do it and i think this is sort of the level where i can see this is what would tickle Garibaldi. And this is why he's so disappointed when the motorcycle is suddenly just there. Because now he's like, well, I can't drive this. I don't have gasoline. I don't even want gasoline. They're like, now it's useless. Now it's not a mystery anymore. It's been solved.
0: Yeah, but it's exactly this. All all that's after this first episode happening with the motorcycle, mm. that's getting it out of the gutter for me. Yeah. Because its it's more than just a guy with a bike. So... Yeah, that that turned out nicely, I have to say.
1: But I do wonder, especially after after you mentioned uh, this, I do wonder if Garibaldi ever made a conscious choice to say a motorcycle is what I want to buy. I can just as easily see that at some point he confiscated like a random part of this motorcycle from a smuggling operation. Then he just decided, you know what? I might as well just like get the rest of them. And then he spent the next 15 years doing that. Like with Garibaldi, you can easily believe that it's more or less just happenstance that now there's a motorcycle in his quarters and he probably is the only one who can manage to do that because he can probably finagle his way around the permits of having this random vehicle in his quarters.
2: I also wonder how much... I also wonder how much of these things were the idea of the actor. Maybe we have to cut this part out, but we once watched a lot of uh, bloopers from the first season and the actor who plays Garibaldi always had the weirdest humor, if you remember.
1: He's a very strong character. For yeah. I could believe that he would, he would have a lot of fun with this.
2: And especially with how, where his humor went in most of these bloopers, I could find him personally responsible for Lanier being con- confronted with sexual, what was it? The
1: sexual oh, wow. prowess yeah. symbol. <laughs>
2: so maybe that was just his little Easter egg.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's it's fun, but I, this is for me also a big plus of this episode where, you know, you have this motorcycle guy macho identity and it immediately gets deconstructed by Lanier being the one that gets actually fascinated by that. Yeah. <laughs> and then running to Garibaldi and being like, hey, can you explain more about this to me? And he's just like, oh, I, um, maybe later.
2: But now that we are in this plot, actually, this scene where um, they both are on the motorcycle and they drive through the hallway... And then Ivanova and Sinclair see that and are just like, yeah, well, <laughs> it's just...
1: Just <laughs> holiday. Yeah.
2: That just totally sums up Babylon 5 for me, actually, and especially that now where we in these other plots start to worry a lot about Earth and we see Earth. I mean, even in our new evil mastermind of the week, we still see Earth shaped by the, by the Mimbari war. Like, they have this discussion on who was braver, and this war just left so much a trace and so much, so much, Um, yeah... We see that a lot, and, and also when we see how Babylon 5 continues, just this image of of a human and a an membari on this old human technology, driving through the hallway and having fun, that is just, I don't know what the place Babylon 5 was built for, I guess. So that's just, I don't know, super, super nice, just sums up the purpose of the station or the goal. I, I think it is so nice that we see that fulfilled in a scene here before the whole run actually
1: starts, so and I think yeah, and especially
0: this this the moment you you hear this this the bike sounds mm. um and then you finally see it you don't really see the the people on the bike but I can imagine how the two are sitting on this bike <laughs> riding like, like mad and it's especially linear. I mean all the things how he acted and everything Especially him, I could totally see with a really big smile. <laughs> yes. like eyes. And oh my gosh, this is so awesome.
2: Yeah. I really could, could see this. And also that the show just really manages to convey that in in an authentic way, because here we don't have just two people that are from different cultures. We have two people that are actually from different species. Like, they really, on a basic level, work very differently, how their brain works, their brain chemistry and everything. And still, this has become an experience they can just share emotionally. I just love that.
1: And it's interesting. I mean, it's also, like, on the technical level, of course, this combining of this human like historical symbol for and I mean it's it's not just sexual prowess it's also rebellion independence of thought and stuff like that which you know th- this is the part where I find it also easier to get me be- behind the idea of it you know it's associated with the open roads and being out on your own on a big road trip and stuff like that sure this combined with a minbari power source because you know the gasoline it ran out was bad for everyone as they say in this episode so it's on this technical level United. But then it's also this idea, both of them enjoy this ride in the end, even though they at no point, you know, sit down and really exchange these ideas and get to the same level. They still have completely different relationships to this bike and what it means to them, which doesn't prohibit them from going away. So it's also this idea, they find this common ground without sort of homogenizing what it means and, like, muddling cultures together and stuff like that. It's much more this... Although both of them have values that just align on this one thing and they can have fun with that. And it's this big cathartic moment at the end, which, yeah, I think we really need (laughs) it. Yes.
0: Yes, especially after... after facing those two dudes, especially Mr. (laughs) Pseudo-Nazi. Yeah. Yeah, and
2: to be fair, we also needed this moment knowing what is com- going to come next, so it's also a nice memory, probably.
1: You're just painting the rosiest picture of the future for us, aren't you? I, I always do that. Um, <laughs> but maybe then let's let's take a few steps back and and dive into the into the favorite plot line and everything that it uh, that it goes into, because as much as we can hark on uh, Mister Grey and Carl, uh, Carl Zane having. Uh, a very over-the-top portrayal and stuff what i do genuinely enjoy especially in the beginning is sort of this chemistry that they have with each other there's especially the scene where ben talks and Mr. like we begin as we always do when the time is right and it feels to me like this is his catchphrase this is an adventure like they have done this thing obviously multiple times and they are kind of this uneasy buddy comedy that is going around and For some reason, this always sticks with me a lot. And I find actually kind of charming that there is this duo of wacky guys that goes around and tries to uncover some mysteries and secrets and also traitors of Earth, which, you know, then it gets a little bit darker. But there is some spark in there, which I really enjoy.
0: It felt like a Really interesting that you see it this way, because when those two appeared, I was like, oh, gosh. (laughs) Yeah. And and, and another group of, of, I don't know, random idiots doing some shitty stuff on Babylon 5. I was annoyed when they appeared. I mean, I was I was glad when I found
2: out that they were not, again, some gangsters, that they were officials, so that we didn't have another abduction of uh, Sinclair or something, because I didn't remember quite. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it felt more like a Doctor Who adventure, actually, when it started, when the time was right.
1: And, and to be fair by this point, uh, Babylon 5 has kind of trodden this trope into the ground of a random bad guy of the week arrives at the terminal of the station and we have to deal with them being here i i think that's perfectly fine although i am glad to see that uh, our hero of the hour lou welch trying to eat his burger immediately reported uh, to garibaldi that hey there's a guy asking weird question. he has a cover story that checks out but that bad guy is fishy and seeing sort of Babylon 5 security in action again especially after last week's episode when we already praised. hey they do something uh, it, it was nice to see that you know Garibaldi is good at his job he has people that report to him he has informants he knows the bartender and stuff like that
0: yeah but also that this random security guy is acting and not like just shrugging it off oh yeah weird guy mm, doesn't matter I want to eat now hmm. that's yeah it just feels right. I mean, if, if this would be, uh, yeah, n- another dude just putting it off and ignoring it, it would have been rather annoying. Yeah. Because it, it would have been, odd, oh, just because someone didn't do his job again, something is happening. So it was, yeah, nice, nice to see that the, the mechanics of um, the, the different people are working on Babylon 5.
1: Yeah, and I also uh, I like that it kind of gives us this balance of on the one side, it's working. On the other side, people don't act like they know they are part of this episode. Like the entire cover story that uh, these guys from Earth m- made up with that they might be people looking for a military contract and stuff, our characters even point out it makes sense in the context of what's been going on recently around uh, around the sector and such. So it's it's this interesting way where we see the plot developing but nobody is making massively stupid decisions like the guys come on board with covers that are good enough for what they want to do the security is good enough at figuring out what's happening and then we also get this reveal fairly early on and it feels like there it doesn't feel like the episode tries to set up a big mystery for me to uncover where I just sit there and be like "Ah, I, I saw this like coming from five miles away that he was going to be a bad guy it's more like This is the motions that we go through and now here we are and now the actual part can begin
0: yeah but also but also the to get get back to the bad cover story Mm -hmm. not in this case but where usually you have one i think that's also boring to watch because you know it's it has to be fake it's so horrible um and the worst thing is if you have, like, the people around, like, the security or p- any person responsible and in, in a responsible position connected to these people doesn't see this, that that this this story is obviously a bad cover. Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh, I, no one have, could have seen this one coming. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. That's something I would i don't know as a as a grown-up you would realize in a in a children's story but not something like that so i'm really grateful that's not what's happening here
1: it it falls for me kind of in a similar category where you know when a show tries to explain to me how somebody is a tactical genius and never really manages to get around showing that and then it just becomes kind of like uh Maybe everybody shouldn't be so admiring of that, but luckily we don't don't get to see so much of this here. What we do get to see is a lot of interesting dynamics about Psychor, which we haven't visited uh, in a little while. And even though uh, Talia isn't a big part of this episode, she isn't a part of it at all, except in mentionings. Uh, but we do get Mister Gray as part of this duel. Sorry, we
0: haven't seen Talia in a long while. Yeah, yes.
1: she's not been around.
0: That's for a bit. That's, that's something I uh, or also stumbled. Um, About when watching the series and then when Psyche came to mentioning um, and then even her name and it was like, wait a minute, when was, when did we see her the last time? Did she get this fancy new ability? Oh my gosh, it's, it's been so long we've, we've seen her, what the the hell is she doing all the time? And I mean, what is with her new ability? Is she still there in physical form?
1: You can ask, Claire. As she accidentally, <laughs> like, elevated and descended somewhere else and we didn't notice. So, yeah, I'd, it's a shame we didn't get to see her. It's great that the writers at least remembered that she's around and it could have actually been a good point of tension, you know, getting them to evaluate her and having this moment of, well, are they going to find out that she's uh, more telekinetic or not? Um, but, I mean, what we got was a lot more drama around Ivanova, which personally... I'm not sorry that that is what we got instead, because I think there were some really interesting moments in here. She got an entire dream sequence, which I didn't remember at all, but it is it is a pretty striking. This is the one where I, I always remember this portrayal of the masked figures as psychor, but I never put it into this particular context.
2: Yeah. I like that scene a lot, actually. Um... Because what I mean, actually I can I can I can connect this to the problem I had with the episode last week. Mm-hmm. What I really like is that a lot of these problematic tropes that sci-fi usually has is mentioned in Babylon Five, but they put it into a perspective into a into a situation that actually works. like this 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 thing with um with oh no, I cannot say that I would spoil something.
1: Oh. should we mute ourselves quickly and you can tell me what you mean.
2: Uh, oh, gosh, sorry.
1: That would be very mean.
2: No, we can. I can just. Sorry. Just when I wanted to speak it out, I realize I'm not allowed to.
1: Um,
2: ma- make a note here. We have to talk about that eventually. Okay.
1: <laughs> sorry. That is, that is just. Very, now you're just teasing Mike with things that will come later.
0: I really do. Maybe I should occupy your minds with something else because yeah, yes. I would like to, to know what you were thinking um, of uh, the scene where Ivanova, uh, where him, her mother is sitting in this, this chair, gets the injection and the next moment she sees herself in this chair. What were you thinking when you saw this?
1: I don't remember what I was thinking. In my first watch, obviously, because that's that's best a long time ago. But I mean in, in the context of this episode, it feels for me like it's her mind running through the scenario that she even openly talks about. Psycho might be running anything else, but not my life yet. I think for her it's kind of this idea: Psycho, ever since she was small, has been a big part in her life and ironheart talked about how it's getting more control over the government and stuff so i feel like she's in this sense thinking about okay when i was small latent telepaths like my mother were being forced by the core to either join or take drugs or be in prison and now they are taking more and more over so when will i be in the same position and it feels uh, it's right now now Earth officers are coming here with the psychor telepath in tow, and they're telling me, submit or go to prison or give up your career and something like that. So it's maybe this idea, oh, there's this conspiracy happening that's encroaching more and more in my life, and I'm starting to feel like I'm in the, I'm in the same position.
2: I really thought about what she told us in this episode, that she kind of shared these most intimate thoughts with her mother, mm. um, when her mother was in her mind, and that she um felt like that is something that psycho is not allowed to touch on. So that she has this big secret that can be bigger or can be just that we don't know yet. That she definitely um needs to keep safe from that experience her mother.
1: I like this thought a lot because she also talks about, you know, she shared her own love, mother's love with her, right? But now maybe this is also this idea. She also shared the pain, of course, because she was living with this woman for a long time when she was under these influence of drugs. So maybe it's also her sort of reliving because she literally had those same feelings, felt those same feelings. That would be horrifying and a good explanation why she's so traumatized by all that.
0: Yeah. What did you think? I, I have to admit, I'm a bit imiti- um, intimidated um, after hearing what you were thinking. Oh, no. Um, oh, no because um, i think that it's it's partly because of um the things the gray said before i think I, I i hope i'm not mixing up i think they they had this this little chat um gray and ivanova about he, what he wanted to do before um, he became a telepath.
1: Yeah. Where he talks about always wanting to join, uh, as a pilot and not getting there. And yeah,
0: exactly. And then that, this, this, uh, thing that, that they, their, his, his powers came out and he had to join Psykovs. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she had this, um, this dream and where she suddenly was in the position sitting, where, where her mother was, um. My, let's say my creative mind was th- was thinking, oh my gosh, how maybe she is scared that they somehow find out that she is a psycho um, or, 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 or a telepath herself.
1: I mean, especially after hearing that story, you know, there's this idea like, what if she suddenly has these powers manifest as well?
2: Yes, or also, I mean, we are not so, I mean, especially if you've just watched these or a few episodes, we're not so safe in the world building. Is that even a thing? Can a telepath so easily just give you their own feelings or is that something you can only receive when you have a small ability? We don't know that yet, I Mm. think. I think it was never fully explained. So that's definitely something to look out for. But that's a cool
0: theory. Definitely.
1: There is also.
0: That's where where, where my mind started and then already plotting something like oh my gosh if she suddenly has this ability and now she has to to hide it because she knows through her mother what have what would happen to her and
1: I mean remember that in this episode um she notices when Mr gray scans her right like in the restaurant she takes a lot of that and he is visibly taken aback by that he's like wow you noticed that so there's definitely the sense like She has some level of intuition there. She has, at the very least, experience of living with a telepath. So, it's not too much of a jump to get to this conclusion. Like, uh, at least in her own mind also, you know, what if there's something more to it? Maybe something that even she herself doesn't realize or doesn't realize yet. That would be terrifying, especially if she's now living in a time where She's more and more confronted with situations where this might come up. if really legislation is moving in this direction that suddenly people can scan her, which previously was never an issue
0: yeah and it it, it especially with with her, no, I don't want this. I don't want this. and I mean personally, I can totally understand this. I wouldn't want anyone going through my mind, mm-hmm. no matter how um how um superficial it would be. But, yeah, it it kind of fit in with, with this idea of, of, of mine and, yeah. <laughs>
1: it's a really cool connection to draw. Yeah. But like you say, even without any telepathy involved or hidden abilities or such, there's obviously also just this very mundane argument here that there is a right to privacy and uh, somebody, especially in her role, who has sworn an oath of loyalty, would be horribly insulted if then somebody comes up and has to like double check that like this is this is not how things are supposed to work and you know this is one of the many cases where our european perspective maybe is also a little bit different because here in europe a few years back there has been massive discussions about governments spying on their people data security like here in germany especially like up until a few months ago you couldn't really use Google Street View in Germany because we had very strict laws that permitted people from just taking photos on the streets and stuff like this. Or companies like Google taking photos of streets and, and publishing them on the, on the internet and stuff. So this is definitely something that this show talked about 30 years ago before this was such a big public discourse as it is definitely today.
2: But what I also thought about is this thing that Ivanova you know, definitely is to a certain degree traumatized by what happened. Hmm. And um um I mean if 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 we leave out all of our theories on why she might she may not want to be scanned, she also definitely does not want to go through that experience again. And I think we want' more nowadays live in a world where we actually take that seriously. I mean, there are any kind of procedures or even medical procedures that not everyone can just easily go through with. Mm. Um and that is also um um but just, just interesting to see that in action because she always seems tough. She always seems like super determined, but there definitely is like some kind of, of block that is just there and it's just a part of her. Which is also, I think, for herself, for herself, always an interesting conflict. See that and um, the career she has so far. The. The attitude she has. And then there's this thing that is just, you know, she she would throw away that career just to not go through with it. She even calls it a Russian ending, I suppose. I love that totally when she says, oh, the Russian ending, I oh, should have expected that. I felt that. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: And I mean, just as a piece of character writing, I think it's a very good episode for her because this is definitely one of the most vulnerable moments that we see here, especially when she just wakes up from a nightmare mm-hmm. and we see... That like in the makeup and everything like this is her lowest point. At the same time, she remains in control all the way through. Like up to the point, she will end her service with Earth Alliance on her own terms, if it is necessary to uh, to protect her her rights and her her like just herself from the trauma that she's going to live through again. And no, I I think it's it's. It manages to show her this most vulnerable point and at the same time completely maintain this idea she is this very strong character that we saw and that we continue to see. Unless you might have something particular on that point.
0: I would have gone over to, um, Gray, since yes. we already mentioned him a few times, um, because...
1: he is the telepath.
0: Okay. Because I have to say, I really like this character. I mean, I have to scratch out the the beginning part where I just thought, oh gosh, stupid people again, Uh, but the way he behaves is completely different than we have seen with any psychorp's character or maybe even telepath so far, he is rather open. Direct with with his approach, uh, what I really like because I don't think yeah well, just get to the elephant in the room and maybe everyone can start feeling a bit more comfortable. Um, and I, the only thing was when when he talked about what what was um, his dream before um, the psychops stuff. I wasn't really sure at that moment, if that was real. On one hand, he was rather emotional, which is also something we didn't really saw an emotional telepath, felt a bit like an oxymoron. And I was, yeah, like, like he was trying because this, this ominous stuff that was said in the beginning, I wasn't sure if that was just a story he was telling to get something out of Ivanova but he continued to be this kind of of emotional person and everything and I really like to see that and especially towards the ending that he was yeah true to himself true to the things he considered righteous and his duty and even to the point of going against his partner um to protect people he previously was put against i really like to see this yeah it's not a change from the inside but the the circumstances changed and i really like to see this different approach of a Psychorp's character here
1: that is really cool to see i have to say I never really had this moment of doubt when he tells a story, but now that you say that, I'm thinking back and it's completely right that every psycho character that we see so far, from the uniforms to the gloves that they wear to their general demeanor, beyond being telepaths, there's always also this idea that these people are trained in terms of how to psychologically manipulate people in a very big way. And the way that they present themselves is very intimidating and very strict and very inhuman and much uh, in how much they suppress their own emotions and stuff so i can definitely imagine that somebody with this kind of training would be able to pull off a story like that to get close to her i think the main thing that makes it feel authentic to me is just how unsuccessful he is i guess because on multiple occasions especially when they have their interaction in the restaurant where he tries to sit down and talk to her it genuinely feels like Here's a guy that genuinely tries to fix a relationship with somebody that they just gotten on the wrong foot of and somebody who's like predisposed to them very negatively. And he's just trying to fix this and he keeps failing because he's just making a wrong choice, mentioning the wrong thing and just not quite like containing his abilities as much as he should. And that just felt very genuine to me and not like something that would be a terribly effective tactic to get anything out of her. It's more of this idea. He's just genuinely trying and failing and I feel bad for him.
0: Yeah, but exactly this scene that made me turn around on, on mm. my judge about him. Because it is feeling genuine and he's really trying to get, yeah, well, like, like a foot in the door with, with Ivanova. Can we maybe talk about this scene where they meet in
2: um uh, in the command center, and um how that scene is directed? Sure. Because I find that, I mean, I see how the actors really enjoyed that. It's when you see Ivanova's face, and she is shot um, um, uh,
1: out of focus.
2: No, no, he's standing behind her. You see his whole silhouette over mm. her shoulder, and it's super dramatic. I think that's when he tells her about his dream of becoming a pilot. <clears throat> and it's acted out all over the top, and you have these super dramatic cuts of her face and him in the back, and it feels like a, it feels like theater club, actually. And I'm not so sure why they chose that. I mean, I, I definitely see how everyone involved enjoyed acting out that scene very much, but it
0: feels like, I mean, I also enjoyed watching it, but it was a bit all over the top, wasn't it? It's yeah, it, it felt a bit off. That, that also was maybe one of the reasons I thought that this is some kind of scam mm-hmm. stuff uh, in in the making here, because, yeah, something was didn't feel right. Yeah.
1: I can definitely... Now I know why. But... <laughs> I mean, Babylon 5 in general is a very theatrical production. In, in many ways, the way the sets are built, the people that are cast, many of them are Either from older TV or coming from stage experience. And I imagine the same is true for the directors. And there's sometimes someone in there who just wants to get really experimental with this kind of stuff. And gets caught up in the, in the heat of the moment there. I also don't know the CNC set that they have, the like command dome is probably one of those that look much, much bigger on camera than they actually are. I wonder how creative you have to get to get these kinds of shots <laughs> and make it feel like it's an actual... Well, maybe that's also part of it. Um, In terms of the actual contents of this backstory, I have to say I, I really enjoy this backstory because, once again, we we see that Babylon 5 makes a big difference between people and organizations. And that is always like highlighted a lot. Like, we are in general skeptical of Earth Force in general. But then there's our characters who serve Earth Force who are obviously, you know, the people that we see as the crew that we want to identify with. And this is the first time we really get to see the same with uh, psycho where, you know, Mr. Gray himself says, you know, you probably don't really know anybody who is in, in this organization. And for him, it's easy to tell that the reason he is so loyal to psycho as an organization is also because He wasn't brainwashed as a small child like Talia maybe was or something like that. No, he just always wanted to be part of something bigger. He wanted to join up with the military and couldn't and now he has a substitute for that which is a great way to secure somebody's loyalty. And I think this carries through for his character as well where up until the very end we see he is loyal to the mission. He wants to know who is loyal to Earth Force but not in a Zealous kind of way. He genuinely just wants to follow the procedure, and if that means that the guy he's been working with uh, is is the target, then so be it. He he is genuinely caring about Earth Force and Earth Alliance rather than any personal allegiances.
2: He basically is the Sinclair of the Psychor
1: a little bit yeah right down to budding in unquestioned with oh actually this article of the of the law was perfectly interpreted <laughs> so it's like
0: yes i really like the and like it made him really sympathetic
1: in general uh, i i absolutely loved that we saw sinclair do his power move where he turns to the computer and says subject law i am going to read the paragraphs and i am going to find the loophole which, uh, yeah.
0: Well, it's his thing.
1: It is right? his thing, <laughs> right?
0: only his thing trying to find loopholes in everything. Um, and he is rather successful so far.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just, we should be proud of him because, you know, his only other thing is jumping into the fray with a gun, which wouldn't have helped in this situation. So we can be very glad that he's slowly, like, shifting in the direction of, ah, there's different ways of doing that.
2: So... Maybe we could also talk about our other bad guy with the scar in the face. What's his name? Benzane. Benzane. Let's call him Scarface. Scarface. Sure. I like that. Scarface. With a, I would, I would, I would um, assume a fake British accent, but mm-hmm. I'm not so sure Bell and that tricked
0: me there many, many times. That sounds weird. I'm sorry. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's his voice also that really sounds strange to me. Yeah. It's this, I don't know really... Kind of deep and, but it's it's something just seems to be missing there. Like he's forcing himself rather roughly to speak like that. He
2: kind of wants to sound like in like like what's 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 like Darth Sidious in Star Wars.
1: To me, it always feels like he's trying very hard to fill out this uniform, which. (laughs) I, it doesn't bother me so much because that feels very true to his character as well. Like, he's somebody who wants to be much more important than he is. and
2: Yeah, maybe let's talk about his motivations a little bit because still we are thrown back again um, to the Earth memory war. Like, he's um, the, others, yeah, the, other, the other aspect that you have uh, in a society that has somehow been shaped by such a big war. I mean, we have seen this problem that we have... Um, someone like 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 Sinclair who has to deal with people who 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 assume that he betrayed mm-hmm. them, um, and then we have to deal with a lot of a lot of other unsolved issues that that cause really this this hate of any of anything alien of anything strange, and now we have a character like him who kind of feels like he didn't get his shot, like he could have been so much braver, but he didn't get his opportunity.
1: I think it's completely right. He is a new kind of minbari war survivor that we haven't really seen so far yeah. and um yeah we should be quickly go into that we can, if there's more. uh no no because I I feel like um we have Sinclair who is the survivor who is mistrusted like you said uh, and we had him confronted already with people who were either like home Guards just not there who are like going on about we would have won the war if only i was at the front line i just you know unfortunately couldn't be i would have totally uh, won this out he is so special because you know his signature scar is uh, at least from his telling from battles that he led that he actually won and this is i i didn't really pay much attention to this the first few times i watched this but it feels very significant to me
2: but his battles were not out of, out of space. Like, where's New Jerusalem in this setting?
1: Oh, it might be on a colony or something. Okay, but yeah.
2: it's, it's humans against humans, right?
1: Not necessarily. Uh, because
0: uh, we should look up his battles probably at some
1: point. Yeah, we should. Uh, I was. Say... Yeah, the,
0: the problem I have is that even though he mentions like this three occasions where he led into battle, into victory, rare. But, um, there's no context. I mean, yeah. we, we don't know, was he really in the Minbari war? Was this part of the Minbari war? Or was this some, some other skirmish with, with other aliens, with, with humans? Um, what was it about? So it doesn't, it doesn't feel, um, or at least to me, it doesn't make him. And his, his position of, I should have. This commander position of Babylon 5 doesn't make it feel justified.
1: If you indulge me for a second, let's assume it is the Membari war that he's talking exactly.
2: about. Because I always understood that he was in high positions in different conflicts.
1: This is why I'm asking you to indulge me for okay. a second. Yeah. Because that is completely valid. Right. No, of course, I don't know. But... It's completely valid, that would have different implications, but. If we talk about him as a Mimbari War survivor, that would make him so special for me because then we have three kinds. The one that was in a battle and lost, but survived and is guilty because of that. The one that didn't participate and he is of a different ilk. He is one of the very few people who had a victory in the Mimbari War. When everybody always talks about the Mimbari War, we always hear... Humans had no chance, never lost a battle, the Membari didn't even lose a single ship in this entire campaign. Like from everything we've talked about, whatever victories humans had are utterly insignificant. And this is why for me this would make a lot of sense in his backstory because he is a guy who, against all odds, genuinely managed to eke out any kind of victory in this completely hopeless conflict. And then he doesn't get the promotion he wanted. Then he doesn't get the pro- the position that he wanted. Of course he's going to go absolutely insane with that.
2: Can I ask you something? Maybe then it rings a bell or it doesn't ring a bell. And I try to make it without spoilers. <laughs> Does that, that he actually had, had a victory in the Membari War? Does that make sense when we think of who is coming next?
1: Yes, okay. because... Um, we know that there were genuinely engagements on the ground where humans sometimes managed to capture membari, kill mimbari, and do that stuff. It's just that in space they stood absolutely in the okay. trance. but it's it's possible that what he's saying is actually true in the context of the mimbari war okay. and but
2: I think also if 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 these victories were not in the mimbari war, it would definitely make him this third kind because if he had just a very I mean, he's older than Sinclair, right? He is supposed to look older. Because even if he had a very successful military career and also did some things in the Mbari War, having a very successful backstory could still give him this feeling that he was not on the line and that was the mistake.
1: It absolutely still makes sense, uh, given that, yes.
2: So, yeah, I think it's still another interesting way to see how a war like this, and I always Sometimes I like to draw the, 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 the um, similarity and not always because I don't think Babylon 5 is not completely just written as, as a metaphor or just written as, as a history lesson in every kind, but sometimes in some places I like to draw a similarity between what the Mimbari War means for Earth right now and what the First World War meant for Europe and yeah. Germany and at and, and a certain point. Not just Germany, for Europe in general, I think it left these, these open battles of all kind and so here we see another interesting way to execute that, another another view on how a society reacts to such a trauma and to so many unsolved issues and unanswered questions. So the concept he's written with is very
1: well thought through. And along those lines, it also then makes a lot of sense that he is somebody who would be potentially susceptible to a movement like Home Guard. Because we see Shining through in his final confrontation with Sinclair that he kind of Goes into this, ah, you will stop doing the Mimbari's bidding because Sinclair is there because the Membari financed it. But he is the conspiracy nut from the very beginning, who is like, you know, like the guys who tried to trap Sinclair in the cyberweb, trying to get this out of there that Sinclair is this like traitor to the Membari outright or something like that. But still, this mindset exists in him, justifiably so, because that's his experience. And so you could see how somebody would be, you know, utilizing that for their advantage. I feel like we talked a lot and kind of cut Mike <laughs> off for a minute there. So if you have anything to him or maybe just nothing, maybe just make fun of his scar.
0: No, the, that's, the, the problem is I just can't take him serious.
1: Yeah, I, I can, can definitely see serious. that
0: there's just yeah there's it's it's the way he's acting it's it's arrogant it's I am better than you and there is even though he mentions this three victories since there is no context or also of him as a person there are just negative traits he's portraying Feels, yeah. I don't know if 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 I want if I would watching an anime that I would have this this chibi caricature jumping, <laughs> notice me, notice me. I have done something awesome. I should be in charge. It's it's yeah. It's just like a really annoying person is crying for attention.
1: It's very hard to imagine a guy like this also getting any kind of backing and into the position that he's in. Right, like.
0: But
2: also that could be on purpose to a certain degree. And we can definitely argue if, if, if the way it is acted out, of the way it is directed is uh, purposefully or not. But now that you say that you cannot imagine him getting into an important position, maybe this also shows how someone who was once successful, who was once um, on a better and more successful way, can be brought by such a trauma. And now you definitely have these failed existences that kind of try to find a place in society again, but that has been transformed by this experience. And it's difficult because they kind of cling to this, this thing of the past. Because sometimes when you, and I don't want to make direct historical references here because I feel like that will lead too far, but sometimes when you look at questionable figures, you have exactly this and you also have that you look at them and you, you you, you from your point of view nowadays, question on how could they ever have this effect on people it's ridiculous it's absolutely unbearable how they talk how they behave but in that situation it kind of speaks to this own
1: i mean ultimately we have garibaldi saying people like Benzane thrive in an environment like this and the environment he describes is for example you have a president who has been under fire ever since he got elected because for some people he's too extreme in pro-earth and for the people he was pandering to he's not extreme enough pro-earth so which kind of leadership would get somebody like Benzane in this position? Somebody desperate, somebody who's just scrambling for any kind of support and, and is utilizing that.
0: Maybe that's the problem. This this whole, we, we are always on Babylon 5. We has, have this little space where we're kind of comfortable with because we get the most information about and the characters and the people living there. Our informations about um, Earth, about the the other colonies, are really really small compared to that, and we don't really have a grasp around what what how to live there. What is really happening? I mean, if you hear like one liner, uh, or there are, I don't know, something rah rah is happening there, then it doesn't have the same weight because. It's, yeah, like on a side note and there are emotions lacking and there, it doesn't have the same impact and therefore maybe that's the reason why um, Zayn doesn't really feel authentic and real to a certain degree for me.
1: I can definitely see that and it, this is completely fair to say. It's not like I want to fix this necessarily. But if you want to, we can talk about maybe sitting down for, also we three, uh, sitting down for a little special episode where we take a look at the Earth Alliance fact book that was brought out. We can curate this to a point that it's not spoilery in any way, but if you want to have like a broader understanding of what is Earth like, what is Earth history like up to a certain point, there exists extended content for that, that we can take a look at which especially for someone like uh, somebody like benzene if you want to know more about new jerusalem and what happened to israel and this kind of stuff we can fill out those gaps and it will obviously make your experience with the show a little bit different it won't fix something like this in the episodes themselves but it might be an, an interesting extra perspective to take so if you're interested in that we can definitely do it
0: How? Well- we do it, how about we do it that way and uh, ask our dear lurkers for um, their vote.
1: You are giving what them is... so much control over your experience with the show. I like it. That's a <laughs> very good idea. <clears throat>
0: yeah, well, they will the, will be the ones to decide if I have more work to do or not. <laughs>
1: I mean, it won't be more work for you. We will definitely like do the bulk of the homework for you and then just present you basically with a nice PowerPoint presentation with all the pretty pictures and yeah. like we can make scans of the book and stuff for that. Uh, so you get a full-on cinematic experience with this. That will be a fun thing.
0: You mean the university experience? I am missing sports alone.
1: Yes, we are going to do like Earth History 101 from the 26th century backwards. Very good. There will be a test in the end. For you and the lurkers.
0: Okay, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we, oh. I, I just remembered why I, also why I was thinking that um, Gray and Scarface were um, some shady guys mm-hmm. because there was um, the talk between Sinclair, Garibaldi and I'm not sure if Ivanova was there. Um, talking about that there were terrorist attacks on and wait a minute, I wrote it down, on, on Phobos mm-hmm. um, and the the whole um, weapon embargo stuff um, for, for Mars and things like that so it kind of felt like oh we drop this here now and then the guys are here.
1: Yes. Which I mean, you know, this is the part where the idea of them having a cover story for uh, military contracts make sense but then also it makes sense that our security is suspicious of them might they might be smugglers instead of agents so there's just these layers going on but you know one more reason we we should know more about what the hell is going on on, on the moons of Mars and in in general with other Earth colonies because you know if colonies have a strong inclination to have terrorist cells vowing for independence you know there's it- just
0: Especially the the moment where they um, named uh, named one of them free Pluto, and I was oh that's cute. I remember in the nineties Pluto was still a planet. it's, <laughs> it's very
1: adorable. <laughs> I know this is this is also once again one of these elements where we can look at this show and remember oh this is a show that is primarily like you know in a US context. Typically in many stories. These kinds of audiences tend to favor the colonies in this kind of setting. So, the idea that we are following a bunch of Earth Force characters that are trying to keep colonies within the Alliance, that's kind of an unusual perspective for us to have. was Sinclair born on Mars? He is uh, a Martian, yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: hmm. And he's not green, I'm surprised.
1: He is not green, he's also not overly tall. If, if we were watching the X Bands, things would look uh, a lot differently, but uh, in this era, uh, they they have the technology to, to make this work.
0: Well, I usually have to be um, the one being sad and realize that there are so many actors being smaller than me.
1: It would be very hard to cast you. Um, we talked about Ben We talked about Mr. Gray. We talked about the trauma that they inflict on Susan Ivanova. I would like to talk for a small moment at least uh, about the interactions that Ivanova and Sinclair have in this episode because apart from some of the other chemistries, these are some of the highlights for me because, you know, these two know each other for, for a fairly long time and uh, I think this is the other point where Sinclair really shines here as a commander because he's very uh, he makes it his mission to, to prevent these scans in large part because he doesn't want this to happen to Ivanova.
0: Yeah, I, that's very good. Say, <laughs> I have to say, I have to say, I equally saw the interaction between Ivanova and Sinclair and Ivanova and Garibaldi
1: mm.
0: um, because both of them are supporting, like, come on, not alone, we can get there through together, um, and it's really this this friendship feeling coming through on on both sides. Um, which I really like to see, especially um, since there are a lot of interactions. I don't know if it's a more modern thing, but there are a lot of times when I see series and you have this kind of interaction and it feels like there's something sexual in there. Mm. Like, I, I, the, like the the scenes where, oh no, actually there are best friends, but it, the, the scene is framed in a way that yeah th- that's where fan fictions are born i think and th- it's totally not like this it's like really on a on a friendship base on a on a best buddy base they're talking to each other
1: and i think this is really helped also by the fact that it's not that long ago that Sinclair was with Ivanova when she was grieving it feels very much like they had a very familiar bond in that situation like when he called her by her first name in this episode. And so there is nothing romantic that I associate with that. That is much more, you know, I don't want to say fatherly because it's also not quite, but a, it's a familiar thing. You know, this is somebody who is just uh, with you through everything and and uh, just leaves no doubt. Uh, what I do think, if if we talk about Garibaldi and Sinclair, these two guys still, I think, have a noticeably different way of supporting her like with Sinclair what for me is very striking is that he not only is unwavering in his support for her for him there's also absolutely no doubt in his mind that Earth Alliance doesn't let stuff like this happen like he is without having read the text 100% convinced the new regulations whatever they may be don't allow for stuff like this so for me this is a very big indicator that this is a guy who really believes in the ideals of earth alliance and is uh, very staunch in defending those and uh, if he sees something like these loyalty tests uh, happening he is very firm in his belief that there's somebody abusing his power but the system in and of itself works which i find interesting for his character to note whereas garibaldi throughout everything i feel like has always been more the guy that is like not really that trustful of the government and is more like, you know what, uh, we are going to get through this. And if it means that I hide you as you like flee the station in the shootout, we can do that as well.
2: Yeah, and I mean, what would it look like if he has a drink with Ivanova? He will just have his water and she has like a shot next to him and he just watches fully experienced on that. I mean, I have friends who do that, who stop drinking it and are like, yeah, I okay, can watch you just do it, but yeah.
1: But now that you mentioned it, that was such a once again, very humanizing moment. I think, Mikey, you highlighted this in one of the early episodes. He wanted to go out with a drink of her, and he just forgot. Because he is the chief of security, there's a million other things to do. Which is really bad that he did that. A massive fight brought out uh, came out uh, out of that. But it makes him so human, and it's it's never like... Oh, it's his fault and now she doesn't like him anymore because he betrayed her or anything like that. It's just like no, he's he's very busy and stuff like this just happens sometimes.
2: Yes, everyone is always busy. It's anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah, comes but, with the
1: territory um, of running how... a space station.
2: My guys don't have space st- space stations and still no. Don't
0: give them a space station. <laughs> yeah. To go back to Garibaldi and Ivanova, um, I really like to see how they reconnected mm. um, after this fight or in this fight. I mean, it, technically, it it kind of was happening still when, when Garibaldi arrives. Um, but I also like to see uh, Ivanova having a go uh, at those annoying dudes uh, that couldn't keep their hands with them. Um, it, it kind of also showed that even i I don't know it kind of fits for me um to show this kind of strength let's say it like that in this moment because even though she is down she doesn't let some random guys talk well just let them talk how they want to i mean okay i i don't really think we have to talk about that beating it each, each other up is a wrong thing but well it's a series so let's uh, just
1: ignore it and i mean as, as a way of characterizing her it tells us uh, in a very crude way that the reason she's vulnerable in this episode and the reason that she's at a low point isn't because she's getting weak or she doesn't have energy or strength to do stuff she has enough energy to beat up the entire bar there's no question about it the problem is that the, her kind of strength can't solve the issue that she's is in. And this is what's giving her the problem. So it's it, it's a very way, a nice way of illustrating here's a strong character that is put in a weak position, not because that strength is lost. It just can't be directed in the right direction. And I think this is one of the ways that this episode really succeeds. And, you know, beating up a bunch of guys isn't the most elegant way of portraying a bunch of strength, but it is sure is very satisfying and... It's also immediately recognized by Gary who's like, "Whoa, well, I'm not going to try to arrest you. I want to live.
0: Exactly.
1: Okay, I think that uh, wraps up very therapeutically That's that line of the story. Um, anything else that we should um, pick up? Otherwise, I think we can go over to the tapestry.
0: My list is empty, so tapestry time again
1: very good i mean if we look at the tapestry in our minds because i still have to put together the graphic properly this will be a very big nexus where a lot of things connect like right down to the thing that uh, garibaldi promised ivanova a few episodes ago everything kind of comes together here and not necessarily to get massively resolved but to sort of reconnect bring everything to the same level so that we now can go forward into the last batch of episodes for the season kind of with a broad idea of where everything has been going and what are kind of the important notes that we should take care of so i think when it comes to this um a lot of things is tied up the bigger question is what do we think can lead on from here
0: the big boom
1: the big boom i mean the big boom that for me is left in the room is obviously benzene is dealt with now we probably won't see him again because he's being evaluated for mental stability but there is still this hinter uh, this there is still this background uh, that sinclair got told he made a bunch of unpopular decisions and people don't like that benzene is gone but the people like mr bester who put benzene in place are still around and have acted now and they probably won't stop just because one of their Henchman got uh, got caught out basically so i i feel like this is definitely a confirmation for us that stuff like this is going to come back and haunt uh, sinclair
0: which is really nice to see
1: it absolutely is any other things that we might see carry forward from here i think the the other big candidate is of course mimbari human relations right we see that on a personal level that these are mending, the war is still unresolved. We see that Dylan is very busy, which is why we don't actually see her in this episode. Um, so maybe this is a hint that the aides of our ambassadors will get a little bit more to do. Like Maybe we will see uh, Lanier actually representing the uh, Mendari Federation at some point, And I can imagine that he would make some different choices than Dylan would. So that could be interesting to see.
0: Maybe Natoth will have a reappearance.
1: I would love to see that.
0: And, of course,
2: Talia. I mean, isn't it interesting that Susan had her so active in her mind? I mean, of course, she was dealing with telepath, and that reminded her of her. But still, I mean, they had a few interactions. She tries to avoid her, and it was so present in that scan. Like, it was a surface thought. He wasn't going deep. He was just accidentally catching something.
1: Honestly, I would take this as a hint that they aren't just dealing for a few times that we see in the show, um, because with what Talia does on the station, dealing with like negotiations and such, I imagine every time somebody needs the commercial telepath for a diplomatic interaction or such, somebody on command staff has to approve that. And it's probably Ivanova more often than Sinclair. She has to deal with all this organizational stuff. So maybe this is a hint that you know all of these characters also when we don't see them on screen they do stuff they interact with each other and there's definitely something going on there
0: and not to mention talia is the ever-present telepath on the station yeah so it's it's like a bit of a democle sword over her head
1: not only the telepath also the representative of psycho right i mean it's notable nobody bettered an eye at the idea that a company representative might come to the station with a telepath that was hired by the company and not wearing the full on psychor uniform. So I think we can expect there are many more telepaths around in general. But she is the one that is officially there from psychor. So that's got a sting for for Ivanova especially.
2: Yeah, but still, I felt like that thought was very strong.
1: De- definitely, I
2: definitely I had more to it than just an association.
1: Certainly, and
0: we, we will. See why soon.
1: I mean, hopefully, we'll see Ivanova's uh, not Ivanova <laughs> Talia uh, soon because uh, yeah, she's been missing for a little while now. Yeah. Uh, even Kosh had more screen time up to this point, right? <laughs> which is unusual because he's not even leaving his suit ever. So,
2: yeah,
1: in that case, um, I think we already have our outro question should we give Mike, her history lesson or not um, for anybody who wants to have the more precise information uh, we would be working with the Moon Goose books mainly because these are the prints that I can get my hands on there are other versions of the lore that exist in other uh, playbooks and stuff but in broad strokes we would give you a sort of the the general sense that is uh, the through line for all of them and of course we would also draw a little bit from the telepath series of the novels and and some other things like that. So this is something that we will give to the poll and of course we always appreciate people writing in for this.
2: Yes, if you say we should not do it now or we should not do it too soon and you think we should still do it before the show is over maybe write into the comments when the perfect moment for a history lesson is in your opinion.
1: Definitely. And, you know, if you are even more eager to see stuff like this there is not only earth history there's mbari history nan history centauri history and as we go through the show and learn more about these species maybe this is something that we will uh, continue doing or do a little bit more of or maybe uh Leila and i will do on our own if people decide that mike cannot be confronted with this of <laughs> stuff so um definitely we will get into this and of course also as a disclaimer naturally, we will take care that none of this is going to be spoilery. Like, obviously, we don't want to ruin your experience with the actual story of the show, but you know, we, we can curate accordingly.
0: So maybe we should um, let everyone know that not just uh, will this poll be everywhere we've been telling you up until now, meaning Instagram, Facebook, Twitter or X. Um but maybe Leila you want to say it uh, since you put in the work. Oh yes, we do have a Mastodon
2: account. We are on the standard server Mastodon social. We are the Third Age podcast as, al- as always. Um, yes, we will practically use it the same way we use the Twitter account, I guess and we will just update everything there. Maybe sometimes if I have the time, it has a little bit more of my handwriting, so I'm not more spontaneously posting whatever I want or find interesting about it. But yeah, it's definitely for anyone who's annoyed by Twitter. Visit us on Mastodon. Yeah,
1: it's especially an exciting time because on Twitter, of course, the sort of science fiction community circles already exist. We will also now try to bludgeon our way into the emerging circles on Mastodon as well. So. It's gonna be interesting if maybe we see a few new faces, maybe a few familiar ones. That's going to be very fun. Yes. That's
2: the cat. If he, if it.
1: the cat is starting to demolish the house, so <laughs> I think this does it for us uh, this week. Next week we are going to watch a new episode, which, as always, I do not have on hand. Next week's episode is going to be legacies, and. As always, we'll see you there.
0: Yeah. Thank you for listening in. Until next time.